0: All uh-huh. right.
1: Okay, uh, welcome to the so-called Fantasy Experts Fantasy Baseball pos- Podcast. Uh, that intro music worked pretty smoothly. Um, I'm Travis Pastore, your host as usual, and joining me again, Stefan Zonia. Uh, we're here to talk prospects, and he is our resident guru. Stefan, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing great, man. Happy Syndergaard Day to you, Travis.
1: Yeah, I know, right? I think uh, that was one of the last things I said to you last week was uh, we're going to have to do a podcast. for you to tell me when Syndergaard was going to get called up. But, hey, he's up today. So it's only been Thursday, Friday, like five days. That was a long wait. Uh, I'll say that much. But I'm pretty excited to to see how he starts the season. He's got two starts this week, so that should always be fun. But, um, yeah, talking prospects is always pretty fun. Um, Most people I talk to are completely – uh, not wrong about it, but either overconfident or underinformed. So this will be nice. Um, what's your favorite part about, you know, prospecting?
0: Uh, I mean, the the exciting thing about prospecting is, especially if you're really into fantasy baseball, is if you put some time and effort into it, you have information of who the next line of impact player is going to be before your opponents do, and you know, from that aspect you have the ability to make significant improvements to your team in season. And if you're in the dynasty or keeper league, uh, massive improvements for long-term uh, fantasy success.
1: Yeah. I play in a 20-team dynasty league. So nice. I
0: got
1: re- I got really, really deep into some of those prospects. Uh, like uh, I have 10 prospects on a team. My last one is like an 18-year-old single-A catcher for the Seattle Mariners. Like he may never he may retire in two years, and I wouldn't have never have known about him except for that yeah. yeah, um, it's a lot of fun, you know, sort of looking at what guys may become, drooling over their potential Yeah, uh, and now with the whole Mike trout thing, I think it's got a lot more people into prospecting um where before you know they were like, okay, once somebody got called up, they would think about him, but now since Mike trout was the right. second coming of like Willie Mays people are like, oh, I need to know about." And he's know about it before they get called up, so it's a hot topic. I think this will uh be a nice uh get us some nice exposure. People will enjoy this so the is not the first one getting called up. We already have Chris Bryant, Carlos Rodon, whose name I always think I say wrong, and addison Russell. uh everybody knows about Chris Bryant he's finally right. hit a he finally hit a home run. I think since' the last time we talked with his first, and he might have homered again for the second. He um, did, yeah. What have, what have you thought of his, the most hyped debut of a prospect that I can remember? Uh, how, how do you think his season's gone so far?
0: I mean, you can't, there's nothing to complain about, really. Uh, you know, I uh, the only thing I can think of is that the hype train was just so worked up that by the time he got up, there were some people expecting him to be Mike Trout or Paul Goldsmith or Miguel Cabrera from day one. But as far as, you know, a first tour of duty here, uh, I mean, he's passing the eye test. He looks like a real – the real deal. Um, he's going to be a highly drafted uh, fantasy commodity for years to come. man.
1: Yeah. Um, and the one thing that sort of stuck out to me about his abilities is he was driving in RBIs. Uh, he was hitting guys on base because um, a lot of the times – these prospects come up with huge power, like um, his fellow triple A mate last year, Javier Baez. He came up last year and he's hit a lot of home runs, but he wasn't hitting a lot of other times. Um, so just seeing that patient approach and, you know, work at account and getting a few hits with guys on base, not always swinging for the fences. It showed he was maybe not mature, might not be the right word, but he, he had the right approach at the plate. So I, I thought right. the uh, most of the hype was warranted. I mean, I don't see him batting over 280. I think 280 would be the ceiling for what I think he could hit this year, just because, you know, coming in that young, there's going to be an adjustment period. Um, But having said that, if he hits 25 home runs and drives in 80 to 90 RBIs, like that's not a bad season by any stretch of the imagination. Right, right.
0: And uh, something that you just mentioned uh,
1: with the adjustment
0: period, Um, this is – and this will maybe lead us into another guy that we're going to talk about in this in this oak. But um, there are people need to understand that there is an adjustment period for for these guys that are coming up, and and it can work in two directions, right? So, so you know, for hitters and pitchers that are now coming up to face, you know, the elite, you know, best of the best hitters and pitchers that are are in the game of baseball, you know, you know that jump. That jump doesn't always happen right away. Now, on the other hand, uh, the people that they're facing may not have a full scouting report on, you know, the guys that they – are uh, these young guys coming up into the league. So, um, you know, oftentimes they can get off to a real hot start and, uh, you know, it may not necessarily be real. So, uh, you know, there's – you have to take into account that there are adjustments on uh, going both directions. Yeah.
1: Um, I definitely – have seen a lot of that hot start this season. Uh, I'm not sure if we're classifying Devon Travis as a prospect or where he ranked before this season, but, uh, he was hitting like 350 with eight home runs and like 30 RBIs or something that I thought, and obviously the guy's good. He plays in major leagues, but that seemed just like a, nobody knows how to pitch to him. So he's hitting all the balls mm-hmm. he likes, but, um, He's just been amazing. I hope he comes back down to Earth because I own him in zero leagues, so his <laughs> so he's just making me look bad and it's frustrating to watch other teams sort of run out ahead because of his uh RBI binge. But enough on him. Uh the other Chicago Cub, Addison Russell, he's uh he hasn't started as hot as Chris Bryant. Um but what a, what a, what kind of things have you seen there from him that uh what what are your thoughts on him?
0: Well, you're, you're right. He, he didn't start quite as hot as as Brian did. Um, you know, starting off at hitting ninth in, in the order that certainly has some impact on it. Uh, you know, it affects the pitches that he's going to see. It affects the situations that he's going to hit in. Um, but in the last couple of weeks, uh, he's perked up a little bit. had a couple of home runs. Um, listen, Addison Russell plays a premium position at you know, shortstop and second base eligibility and he has incredible hitting skills. Um this is a guy that I do not expect to be struggling for long. Um he's shown uh in the minors that he has uh incredible uh abilities at the plate. So uh yes, slow start, but uh that I used that slow start in any league that I didn't already own him. I was trying to buy him after the slow start. Because this is not a guy that's going to be held down for long.
1: Yeah, uh, I definitely have seen that sort of same thing where he's uh, perked up a little bit of late. And, you know, just looking at his numbers right now, he's batting 250, two home runs, eight RBIs, nine runs for a 21 year old kid who got called up kind of out of the blue. And I don't know, you know, if writers on Twitter or like the Cubs beat writers knew about it, but I kind of thought it was strange that. it seemed like on a Monday, Joe Madden was like, We're going to try Addison Russell out at second base, see how he fares. And on Tuesday, he was called up and him playing second base. So I don't know if, you know, he got probably not rushed into the majors, but that uh, the quick transition might have thrown him off a little bit Or he was, right. you know, set, he settled into shortstop in AAA. And they're like, You're playing second. Okay, you're in the majors now. You're playing second base again. Um,. Ideally, I'm sure they didn't want to bring him up as quickly because they did have our Smindy Alcantara there, but he got off to a terrible start to the season. And Javier yep. Baez just cannot avoid striking out. Um, so they had a need. I think he's going to be great. Uh, as opposed to Chris Bryant, I don't think his value is so high this year. I think he'll be good. I think he'll be better in, obviously, keeper leagues and dynasty leagues. Um but I think he's definitely a guy worth having in it. like a 12 eh, 12 to 15 team mixed league with three middle infielders or you need a middle infielder or a utility something like that. I think he's definitely worth owning. Um what uh, what do you think your his realistic expectations are for this year? How many think he can get to 20 home runs? 15 home runs? Where uh, where do you think he lands
0: for for Russell?
1: Yeah, for Russell.
0: I think 15 sounds about right. Um, I think that you will see his average creep up closer to 280 uh, once it's all said and done. Um, A lot of it, of course, again, is going to depend on, you know, whether he's going to get moved around in the order and move towards the the top end of the order. If he stays hot, you know, that's a possibility for him. So uh, that really impacts his outlook uh, as far as RBI opportunities and lineup protection and and stuff like that. So, um, You know, 15 for this year is realistic. I think that, you know, moving forward, he's going to be a guy that that, uh, will be hitting in the 20s for home runs um, and with a decent average. So, you know, again, out of a middle infielder, those numbers are, are, you know, you take those to the bank all day.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, if they give him some, some run at shortstop, if they are giving Castro a few days off. If he could, you know, pick up that shortstop eligibility this season too, that right. would uh, that would also be nice just to have. Like right. shortstop eligibility. Uh, you know go ahead.
0: Okay, and I was going to say, uh, you know, one of the things that is going to make Addison Russell hard to keep out of the lineup is that, you know, he he is a, is a good defensive middle infielder. I mean, he's got a, a strong arm, um, and you know, conversely, especially compared to Castro, who has at times been a butcher uh, in the outfield. So uh, he's a guy that, that, you know, when when Castro's going through it and he's slumping with the bat and, you know, not providing defensive help, then, you know, Russell's a guy that could slide over there and uh, continue to get at bats.
1: Yeah. um, Again, this kind of just caught me off guard with how quickly he came up. Obviously, um, I had him on my radar. He's ranked pretty much a top ten prospect on every list I saw. But um, mm-hmm. like, and it might have just been like a Javier Baez hangover. That last year, Javier Baez was the the hot guy. Like, when's he going to come up? He could hit thirty home runs. He could be a shortstop. He could steal all these bases. It's going to be great. He's going to be great. Um, uh, so I probably was just like, oh, they have Javier Baez. They they wouldn't jump Russell over the top of him. But Baez definitely struggled last season, so I probably was a little blinded to the uh, Russell how great Russell was. Um, still. It's going to be fun to watch him play. Uh, the last big name in prospect already come up this season is Carlos Rodon. Rodon. I think it's Rodon. Um, Rodon yeah. yeah, I always get I can never – I've had Anthony Rendon on my team for like uh, two years now, and I got so used to saying his name correctly after saying Rendon for the whole season. It's just, the names are too close. And then there's Hector Rondon. It was the closer for the Cubs. <laughs> it's just too much. Uh anyway, he finally looks like he's broken into the starting rotation. Um for now, I don't know what they're gonna do with him long term. But he uh he's only like twelve months out of pitching in college. Um, what what do you expect out of him? You think he'll be able to hold up over a full season? You think they'll let him start stay as a starting pitching or starting pitcher? Or do you think uh, they'll uh
0: Well I think that they should let him say as a starting pitcher because it is going to hurt his development to keep jerking him back and forth between the bullpen and starting him. And then, you know, if he's in the bullpen for a long time, you have to stretch him out again. All these questions go into his development. But we did see that when they called up Chris Sale initially, you know, they had him, you know, in the back end of the bullpen until they transitioned him into a starter. So there is precedent in the organization for that. However, um one of, one of the things that uh you know has to be considered is the fact that there are a couple of truly terrible starters on the White Sox uh you know Noisi is is really bad and, uh so I don't I don't think that he has a lot of competition so if they're going to be honest with themselves and and see what's going to give them the best chance this season to be competitive then he's going to have to stay in the starting lineup and you know if the season continues to go the way it goes, it's going now. Uh, they will likely shut him down early. But, you know, in the meantime, his fantasy upside is undeniable because, I mean, he has got some wipeout pitches and makes some professional batters look really, really foolish. So, uh, you got to, I mean, you got to roll with him and uh, and hope that the White Sox see the light and have him stick in the rotation.
1: Do you think there is any... Um... That's the word I'm looking for. Any risk in that he is so young and he only was pitching in Calo last year that, you know, he might break down? Um, I know he's a young kid or maybe not break down, but just, you know, struggle pitching against major league uh, talent since he was only in the minor leagues for like two months or something like that.
0: Right. I I mean, of course, there there is some risk of that, but you kind of have to play that by ear. So, you know, I mean, as – one of their responsibilities as a major league club is to constantly monitor his health and his psyche and, and his results and you know if, if any of if those things are suffering then they'll they'll reevaluate. But you know, right now he looks great and as long as he's looking great like this, uh, there's there's no reason to to prematurely pull the plug on.
1: Yeah. Um I just enjoyed watching it. Pitch just the uh I don't know how many starts he got so far, one or two? Maybe even three, but just when he was pitching out of the bullpen, it gave me bad flashbacks to the, well, I guess it's happening right now with Kevin Gossman. It happened somewhat last year. It happened with Marcus Stroman last year. Um, Just jerking these guys between the rotation and the bullpen doesn't seem to ever really work. I know, I know you said Chris Sale was an example of that, but they let him stay there for, I think, two years. Um, they weren't, like, pulling him in when they needed a the spot start and sending him back for a couple months in the bullpen. So they let him sort of hone his craft there in the, in, in, as a middle reliever. Um, I just think if, if you've got the talent to be a starter and you're going to be a starter, you just got to let them sort of figure it out as a starter. Because yeah. you just adjust, adjust to the game, of, the game speed and dealing with, all right, how do I get through this lineup a third time kind of thing. Uh but I think he's going to be great. Um, I'm interested to see how his win potential looks. If he's the third starter behind Samarja and, obviously, Chris Sale, he could he could be facing some far inferior pitching uh, ability there. So there might be some games where he could just dominate and rack up 10 wins. Um, how, how many innings do you think they'll let him pitch? What do you think they'll try to shut him down? 120? would be my guess. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I, I think I think in that 120 to 140 range seems about reasonable uh, for a guy like him, especially, I mean, you're talking about a guy that throws a lot of sliders, so you're going to have stress on the arm. So you want to make sure that, you know, he, he is taking care of that arm uh, because a setback, obviously, is crippling for them long term. So, uh, yeah, 120, 140 sounds right.
1: So it is May, beginning of May right now, they would probably put him to be shut down end of August. So, and that's just a rough rough estimate.
0: End end of August, but, you know, if they skip a start here or there uh, based on days off and things like that. um, And, of course, again, like we we talked about earlier, it remains to be seen whether they're going to leave him in the rotation uh, for – from now forward or whether they are going to move him back uh to bullpen for a little bit. So, um, you know, yeah, projects end of August, but if they if they're smart with it, they might stretch him out until uh you know, maybe beginning of September, so we'll see.
1: So, if you're in a 12 team league and he's on the waiver wire, do you you obviously pick him up? Yes. Absolutely. You think I mean, obviously he has the talent. I'm still a little hesitant with the the uh possible move back to the bullpen. But after seeing just how well he pitched as a starter and how bad Noacy is and I don't even know who their fifth starter is. Um I know Uh Danks. They are still pitching Danks? Oh god. All yeah. right, I'm I'm yeah. changing my mind. Yeah, he's definitely a must own. I don't think they could I don't think they can justify right. being like well, we're gonna let John Danks keep throwing junk while you sit in the bullpen. Right. Okay, Charles sure going up my board. Even,
0: even in a twelve-team league, if he gets moved back to the bullpen for the short term, he's still worth owning because we're talking about a guy that if he pitches, I don't know, three times a week, uh, might get you six, seven strikeouts. Uh, you know, that's still a useful commodity. And then with the upside of him, you know, potentially going back to the starting rotation, uh, you know, that that's too much value to leave sitting on the waiver wire.
1: Yeah. I de- I definitely agree. Uh, so Carlos Showdown, that that would be a nice one, two, three punch there for the White Sox if they can ever start hitting. But that is another story for another time. Uh, so that brings us to today. We've seen both Noah Syndergaard and Michael Franco get called up. Um, I'm going to want to talk about Syndergaard for quite a long time because I own him in most of my leagues, and I'm just a proud parent right now. So let's start with uh, – <laughs> Let's start with Franco, um, because I remember at the beginning of last season, he was another one of those. He may, like, uh, you know, you see those lists, top ten guys who could get called up by June. Um, so I did remember hearing about him last year that he could be, you know, up pretty quickly. He could be taken at their base spot. And they might move him to first if they get rid of uh, Howard. And he kind of fizzled last year. He didn't have a great season. Um, I really haven't been following him too much this year. But has he – has he improved enough that you think he could he could hack it in the majors
0: yeah i i, I think so, so if you look at uh the damage that he's done in the minors so far this year and and of course, we have to always take uh minorers uh grain of salt because they're not repeatable um so so everybody just be operating under that caveat for this entire podcast but um so far, you know this year off to a hot start uh you know hitting 341 in the minors uh with uh with a 906 OPS so you know there there's there's power there um and the the Phillies also uh sent Koyashi down to the minors to convert him to an outfielder to make room for Franco to play third base every day so yeah you're, you know you're talking about a team in the Phillies that has very little power. So even if Franco only has moderate power, he's a guy who's going to be put in, you know, hitting three, four, five, uh most days. So he's going to be put in a position where he's going to have opportunities to be successful. So, you know, is it a little bit of a reach? Are you prospecting? Sure, but, you know, picking up a guy like Franco now uh, while he's still sitting on the waiver wire – it doesn't, you know, if you have somebody that's disposable on your roster or you're streaming a position or a roster spot, you know, it's worth it's worth the investment because, you know, there's a good chance you could find yourself a useful third baseman here.
1: Yeah, I think that um, definitely if you have somebody on your bench you're not sold on, I think it's always good to just take uh, take a risk on somebody like this. I would never suggest picking up a guy like this thinking he's going to, all right, I don't have a third baseman, here comes Franco my third baseman problem solved. But right. It's it's never, even if he, uh, if you have a third baseman, it's just good to, you know, have the, rich, the riches on your team of uh, a top prospect. Um, and that Philly's team is just so bad that I think he's going to get all the chances in the world to play. Um, right. And I don't know. I just think he's, I like the prospects that have, uh, that were sort of thought to come up, like in one season, they don't come up. They get the full year in AAA, then they start off in AAA the next year, and then they come up. Um, Syndergaard is another example of this. I don't know if we ever talked about Archie Bradley on any of these, but he's been before he got hit in the face. He was another one of those that they thought he might come up last year when uh, Corbin went on the DL with Tommy John. They left him in AAA the whole season to sort of just mature and fine tune his craft and his skills. Then they brought him up this year. I kind of like that. Um, He seemed a little, Franco, that is, seemed a little, he just didn't seem ready last year. Um, So I I like that they let him sort of stay there instead of saying, whatever, we need you right now. Because last season was obviously a lost season for the Phillies. So I I have more faith in him now to hit, I don't know, 18 to 20 home runs because he did have that elongated time in a triple A. You think you think twenty home runs realistic, or am I being over overly optimistic uh
0: that might be a little overly optimistic uh he's a guy that is probably more of a doubles power um he does have legitimate power in that he's got a good line drive rate um drives the ball well, but uh twenty home runs in his first uh campaign might be a little overzealous, but you're talking again about a guy who who you know is a good contact hitter. Um, you know, obviously 341 is is not realistic, but, you know, you could be sitting in the 280 to 290 range, uh, you know, a decent OPS. If that's a stat that you use uh, in your league and, uh, you know, a good chance to rack up some RBIs. And, and you know, uh, 16 to 18 home runs, I think, is probably his range.
1: Yeah, I just pulled up his stats. He hit in 2013 between high A and double A he hit 31, but I mean, obviously, that's not right. a great comp. That's not a great comp to the majors. He hit 16 right. in 2014, and he hit 14 in A in 2012, so I think 20 is probably a reach. Um, but, you know, the top of that lineup, they do have Revere, they do have Chase Utley, so if, if they can, if he can make some contact and use that line drive power that you're talking about, he'll drive it in runs. He probably won't score too many runs, but again, you're, you're rostering a Philly. You can't be expecting uh, great returns from them.
0: Right.
1: Uh, where would you sort of rank him in, I don't know, the the pantheon of these super prospects coming up? Um, how do I word this? Is he one of those uh, guys that is rosterable in anything deeper than a 12-team league, or should or is he more of a deeper league kind of guy?
0: Uh. I mean, 12-team would really be, I think, the, the uh, smallest that he would be roster, rosterable in uh, right now. Um, you know, 10-team, I'm not sure that he would be. Uh, again, you know, he's he's coming up to a, a pretty poor environment, offensive environment. So that is, of course, going to limit, you know, what he can do. Um, and you know like you alluded to last year when he came out he did struggle uh in his brief uh, appearance in the majors so while it is certainly encouraging to see him hitting the ball really well uh in the minors this year uh there is still somewhat of a wait and see aspect to to what he's doing here so um you know everybody should monitor him closely and uh you know, if he gets up and he continues doing what he was doing in Triple A, then then you know, add him immediately. But uh, if you're if you're in ten team or or smaller or you uh, you, you have shallow benches, uh, probably wait and see on him.
1: Okay, uh, now to the part of the show I've been waiting the whole time for, was <laughs> Syndergaard. So yeah, he's, he's going to be a mix of Matt Harvey and Jacob Degrom and Pedro Martinez from 1999 and win the Cy Young, right? I, I think those are all reasonable level-headed comps for him. I think, I, th- I think so. Um, I'll probably try to trade him for Mike Trout tomorrow and that should be a fair deal. <laughs> but realistically, <laughs> the, uh, the Mets have had some really good success calling up these prospects. They're, they're pitching uh, prospects uh, from Zach Wheeler, Jacob DeGrom, obviously Harvey was a, a huge stud, but um between those three, who's and, I, and obviously there's the Dylan G injury, so he may, you know, come back. I don't know what they're going to do with the rotation then. But let's just say, for all intents and purposes, he stays in rotation the rest of the year. Whose season do you think he is will most resemble Zach Wheeler's, Matt Harvey's rookie year, or uh, Degrom from last season?
0: Uh, oh, that's a tough call. Um, I think that. The most, I guess, if you're if you're gonna force me to pick between those three, I I guess it would probably be Degrom. Um, the, what what Harvey did, uh, you know, prior to that injury, I mean, that was like historic level stuff from from a guy, you know, pitching in his his first full season. So, you know, asking asking for that might be. You know, a little bit unrealistic just because what Harvey was doing that year, you know, started in the All-Star game, I mean, that was incredible, incredible stuff. And, you know, he's come back from that injury and proven that he really is, you know, as good of a pitcher as as we have in the league. So, uh, you know, DeGrom being still an excellent starter, um, you know, I think that that might be a little bit more of a reasonable comp
1: for for, uh, Thor, as they like to call him. See, I tended to think of him more as a Zach Wheeler. Um, Okay. And that was probably just because of the strikeout potential. Um, I've seen what he's done this year, and everybody talks about that fastball, and his changeup I think is his second pitch, and maybe a curve or a slider. I I just thought thought of him more of the strikeout guy that DeGrom, or not DeGrom, I mean Wheeler. Um, They both had about 3.5 ERAs. I think that's something to expect, but I just lean more Wheeler. I thought DeGrom really came on strong down the stretch, and some of his early numbers sort of skew this, this season long average I'm looking at. But uh, mm-hmm. I think it should be interesting to see what this what this guy is able to do, since simply because the Mets have had such success with all these guys. like We just talked about three uh, pitchers, and if Wheeler hadn't heard it hard, Syndergaard may not even be in the majors right now. So right. it should be it should be very interesting to see how he's doing. Um, tonight, and it should be interesting to see how he holds up moving forward. Um, he has the bill port, He's like six five. He can throw ninety eight miles an hour. He looks the part, but uh, I've seen Moneyball, and I know that's not the uh, only thing that matters. So, right. um, how? What do you think his end of the season numbers are going to look like? You think he'll get uh, double digit wins and one hundred and fifty strikeouts?
0: Um. So. Part of that is kind of projecting, of course, how many starts is he going to get. Um, you know, if he comes up and continues to show what he's been doing in the minors so far this year, which, um, you know, he's posted a Im- really impressive uh, 1.82, I think, ERA, and his his uh, strikeouts per nine, uh, 10.3, um, you know, 34 to 8 strikeouts, a walk ratio. I mean, if he can show that kind of stuff then, you know, they're gonna find a space for him. I mean you can't you know, you can't you can't sit down a guy uh like that, especially when the Mets are off to, you know, a very good start, uh, being competitive here. Um so you know, if if he if these first two starts that he gets this week are of of, you know, really quality quality stuff, then they're they're gonna find a spot for him. And then yeah, I think you can pencil him in for Nine or ten wins. Um, I mean, probably not going to keep up the over ten strikeouts for nine. That'll <laughs> dip a little bit. But but uh, you know, I mean, I think that that a strikeout in an inning is is reasonable for him. I mean, his his uh, what they the pitch that they call Thor's hammer that uh, that uh, changeup slash it's kind of a curve. It's kind of a change. Uh, you know, that's a strikeout or a wipeout pitch. Um, that's really a plus pitch for him. So, you know, he's got he's got the stuff to stick and be, you know, every bit as as useful as uh, any of the uh, prospect guys that are going to be called up this year. Uh,
1: yeah, I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty happy. I bought some Syndergaard stock, um, and especially since the Mets are off to that hot start, I, I think it got him called up a little quicker than maybe they would have. And a few things broke right, obviously. Uh, And not saying Zach Wheeler needing Tommy John is, like, a good thing. But if Zach Wheeler's in the rotation, they probably don't need him. Uh, Right. Rafael Monteros, he's been a little injured. Dylan G, he's hurt. So he had to get a few breaks to even get up here. But also, he's been in their their farm system for three or four years since that R.A. Dickey trade. Uh, So I think at some point they were just going to have to bring him up to see what he could do. Because either you gotta you gotta do something with them or you gotta move. So. Right. Um, I'm interested to see how the Mets handle him. How they if they if they bring him up and keep him up, put him in the rotation, give him the fifth spot, let him go with it. Um, or if they try to bring Dylan G back or you know sort of limit his innings, maybe go. I know they talked about a six-man rotation for a little while. I hope they don't do that. But then that, that kind of gets things a little wonky throws people right. off of their rest schedules, but either way, I think he will be very, very, very good. Um, next guy up. Well, actually, so that's the, that's last one. That is the last of the guys who are in the majors already. Um, we have mm-hmm. a lot of, we have a lot of prospects still in the minors and most of them at the top of the list are obviously pitchers. Um, before, who do you think is actually the next guy coming up? Before we even get to pitchers and all that good stuff, if you had to bet money on it right now, who is the next call-up? Is it Carlos Correa, Francisco Lindor, um, maybe um
0: So this is Houston? always kind of like reading tea leaves, um, and you know that that all that stuff kind of changes on a week by week basis, based on injuries, based on performance. Right now, if I had to guess, I think Lindor is a guy that that is kind of trending towards getting a call-up sooner than later. Um, Part of that is because uh, the Indians are – well, frankly, they're struggling, and uh, they're getting nothing out of the shortstop position right now. Uh, I forget uh, uh, Jose – Jose yeah. Is, is that a... yeah, I mean, he's, he's hitting like Sorry, 160 then. or 170, or no, 130, okay, so not even that good. So, uh, <laughs> you know, those are the kinds of things that end up going into these decisions on who gets the call over who, uh, not necessarily just the, the talent of the player or how they're performing at AAA. So, you know, Lindor is probably the guy that I think is the most likely to be next. Um, and, you know, that being said, if you're in a single season league, so we're not talking about keepers or dynasty or anything like that. uh, Frankly, he's not particularly interesting to me. Um, He's a guy who has struggled at the plate. Uh, He doesn't come with a lot of power. Uh, He does have some speed. There's no question about that, but you know, he's still, he's still developing at the plate. Uh, His, his hitting skills are, are, you know, not complete. And he does go through big slumps. Now he had one of those to start the season and he's, Managed to dig himself out of the hole that he created fairly nicely because he's been hot the last couple weeks. But, um, you know, he's not a guy that I would expect to come in and and light the league up. Um, He's a guy, of course, a name to know for for the future. And, of course, if you're in, uh, you know, leagues where you keep players or leagues, uh, dynasty leagues, of course he has to be owned. But, um, yeah, I mean, that that would be the next big name, I think, that's going to get a call up.
1: Yeah, I think, and to your point that he's not, you know, a finished product at the plate, I think a large portion of his call-up would be because he is such a good defensive shortstop. Um, right. And they've struggled, you know, keeping, just just making outs, and that, that team's been sort of a wreck wreck so far. So putting a gold-glove caliber shortstop into the mix, into that infield, that's going to make things better. And Jose Ramirez has been awful. Uh, right. Yeah, and having just a dead spot in your lineup does help at all. So I think the next guy called up, um, but if you had an empty – but I obviously, if I had an empty bench spot, I'd probably be rostering Carlos Correa over him. Um, Absolutely. For the season. But when do you think Correa gets called up? June, July, August? Do you think or do you think they wait on him? Do you think they bring him up quick? Um, whatever
0: so, there's a couple of there's a couple of variables to to look at with the korea call up um so they just promoted him to triple a yesterday um he was absolutely humiliating uh double a pitching and uh i mean the numbers that he put up keep in mind this kid's only twenty years old right now uh, the numbers yeah. that he was putting up in double a are absolutely astounding um, so a couple of variables uh first, you know, does he keep crushing triple a or does he have any kind of uh uh lag between making that jump for the first time to triple a? Uh that will certainly go into consideration. And second, you know, uh Jed Lowry has the the injury that he's dealing with. Um is he going to have any setbacks? Um are the guys filling in for him, which are namely uh uh, uh Villar and uh Marwin Gonzalez? I mean, if those guys continue to, to struggle hitting the ball, you know, marlin has been okay. Valar is not a very good hitter, uh, obviously has some speed. But uh, if those guys struggle and uh, Lowry has any setbacks and Korea continues to, to hit, I mean, we're t- we could be talking sooner than later. And, you know, at that point, it's probably going to be too late to get him because this is a guy who has the raw talent, and the pedigree to be an instant impact player in fantasy baseball leagues.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sad I don't own any stock on, of Carlos Correa in any league. Um, that he, he just seems like such a well-rounded player. Uh, and to get that sort of power out of the middle infield, especially out of the shortstop, um, yeah. I, I think, and even if he does come up in July or late August, I think it's worth, if you have the roster space, just uh, stashing him. Um, obviously right. if you have holes, you're like, oh, I'm going to hold on to Correa, but I have no shortstop to play now, that's not the greatest idea, because then you're losing out on tons of production uh, but that guy that guy is just a stud, and he can run he can hit, he can hit for average, he, every level he's been at he's completely dominated, and he's usually by far the youngest player at that league, so he, he sort of showing the promise that I think most people thought if Javier Baez puts it all together, this is the package we're getting. That package is Carlos Correa. Carlos Correa doesn't strike out 42% of the time. Um, So obviously uh, he's going to be amazing and I'm sad. Uh, I'll have to pay lots of money for him in my auctions next year. But there's one (laughs) more short stuff that, you know, sort of goes hand in hand with those two. And that's Corey Seager. I know they're thinking about moving him to third base. Um, but how does he profile in comparison to the other two? I know he's more of a power guy than a defense, but how does his power rack up with Correa, would you say?
0: So, uh, yeah, obviously of the three, um, you know, he's the guy that has the, the most raw power. Um, but he's also the guy that, I mean, he's a guy who is off to a pretty terrible start this year um, in AAA. And uh, as you alluded to uh the guy who they're mulling a position switch, and part of that is because he's blocked a little bit in the majors. I mean, uh, there's not really a natural spot for him to come up in their organization right now. Um, and ultimately, you know, you, you, I hate to overreact to, you know, uh, his start so far, but, uh, you know, he's looking like a player who isn't ready for it yet. Um, you know, he's he's uh, batting under 200 and while he does have a huge power profile, he hasn't displayed it that much this year. Um, so, I mean, yes, the pedigree's there. Yes, I still expect him to be a difference maker, but I think we're talking a little bit more down the road for him because they're, unlike Lindor, he doesn't have a clear path to the majors. And unlike Korea, he's not killing it right now in the minors. So um, I think he's more of a, a wait-and-see and a guy for – Keepers and dynasty players to have, but not so much uh, uh, an impact player for this year.
1: One big thing that I think really hurts his value is just uh, the Alex Guerrero experience in uh, for the Dodgers right now. Um, right, because every every one of their roster spots is full of a high-priced player, except for third base, which looks like where Seager will be moving since he is so tall and he doesn't have the range most other shortstops. Uh, he doesn't have the range you look for in, you know, elite shortstop prospects. Um, right. And Alex Guerrero is another, he was a huge signing from the from Cuba, and they have had no place to play him. And he's sort of been filling in third base most of the time. So I can't see them being like, we're just going to dump this other pretty prized guy to play, our newer prized guy. Um, right. I think Seeger has a lot of power, and as a third baseman down the road, he's going to be very, very good. But I agree. This season is not. It's not going to be the year of Corey Seager. Um Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, but, but again, I mean, this is a guy who we're only talking about being one or two years away from him being a big time contributor. So, I mean, obviously, for those listening that uh, that are not big into prospects yet, you know, write the name down and, and check in on him because you know he does he does have a massive power profile. So he's he's going to be. You know, a notable fantasy player
1: uh, at some point. He definitely will be. Um, if you were picking up a player right now, who do you think is the most rosterable pitcher in the minor leagues? Obviously, Syndergaard's the most gone. Most
0: rosterable pitcher in the minor leagues.
1: And you know, we'll say, um, we'll we'll
0: say this one. is
1: we'll say this is a keeper league, so you can keep him for one more year. I don't want to say dynasty because that leads to all types of things. You can keep him for this year and next year. Who do you who who are you going with? Is it uh Giolito, is it a, a Jonathan Gray on the Rockies, Robert Stevenson from the Reds? Just going down the list, so, you know, Tyler Glass. No.
0: It's a question of, that, that's a tough question. So the three guys that you named, obviously all highly touted guys. Uh, you know, Bundy's another guy that's been highly touted. Uh, um, but, you know, Giolito, of course, it's just been one start so far this year, but. He and Gray and, and Stevenson actually have all struggled to some degree in the minors this year, um, especially Gray. I don't think he would be anywhere near the top of my list right now. Um,
1: but of those three – I mean, you don't, you don't know, have to pick those three. You could pick a, okay. any, per, any person I, you want if you were saying, all right – I'm drafting, I need a prospect for this year and next year, I want a pitcher, Right. who, who are you picking up? It uh, doesn't have to be any of the three. I was just naming three of the bigger-named guys I just know off the top of my head. Right, right. So two two guys that I'm keeping an eye on right now and
0: uh, potential uh, guys that could, could be impact for this year. Um, and they come from uh, each side of everybody's favorite rivalry, the Red Sox and Yankees. Um, huh. So... You, you know, the Yankees have a guy, uh, Louis Severino. Um he is he's got a just some really impressive stuff. He's actually a really fun guy to watch. Uh great strikeout stuff. Uh his ERA right now is sitting around three eight, I think. But uh you know, his his K per nine is outstanding. Um, I'm trying to find the exact number. Uh it's so it's almost eleven strikeouts per nine innings that he's putting up right now. Um kind of thirty four to eight out to walk ratio. So, uh, you know, his peripherals check out. He's a guy, he's a young kid, but uh, he's really, I've watched, I've gotten a chance to watch him twice, actually. And, uh, man, at both times I found myself saying, wow, uh, on some of the stuff that he had. The movement was incredible. So he's a guy I'm watching. Um, and another guy I'm watching from the Red Sox is uh, Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh the Red Sox actually have an embarrassment of riches in their minor league system. Um they've got three really good starting pitchers, Rodriguez, Brian Johnson, Henry Owens. But uh Rodriguez looks the most ready. He is he's got a two seven three ERA, but the really impressive thing, uh he doesn't walk almost anybody. Uh twenty nine to four uh K walk ratio and his whip is a minuscule, .94 right now. Um, that's great. I mean the guy the guy is absolutely dealing right now. Um so if I had to guess, I would I would say that both of those guys are gonna make it to the majors at some point. Um, you know, neither team has, you know, an, an indomitable staff um that's <laughs> you know gonna make it hard for them to crack the majors. Whereas when you're looking at you're looking at a guy like Giolito you know, the Nationals' worst starter is Gio Gonzalez, and I mean, I can't see him usurping him unless there's an injury. So, you know, that's that's a guy that is kind of blocked based on the organization depth. Um, so, you know, when you're, when you're trying to, to predict who's coming up this year, you want to look at those things, and, and that's why I think Severino and Rodriguez are probably guys that, that could really actually help out a fantasy team this year.
1: I thought you were gonna go with uh when you said the Red Sox I thought you were gonna say Henry Owens. Um any reason you you think obviously you said really uh, Rodriguez, do you think Owens just needs a little more time to develop or anything like that, or you just think Rodriguez is so even, dominant?
0: Right. It's it's more it's not a it's not a question of anything that Owens has necessarily done wrong. I just think that Rodriguez has been outstanding this year. And uh you know, again the Red Sox you know that they are in the enviable position of having a very good major league team and a very good farm team, which means that if you're producing on the farm and they need a spot, they're going to go with the guy that's playing the best. They're not they're not looking to develop anybody or you know on the major league level. So if they if they do find that they need a fifth starter, I think they're going to go with a hot hand. And right now, uh, you know Eduardo Rodriguez is outperforming anybody else in that farm.
1: I think that's something also interesting you bring up is that when you're looking at a prospect who you you may want to stash, it's not always who's the highest ranked, like um, right. Baseball America's top 100 or something. It's uh, a mix of need versus and how they're playing now and how they've developed. Um, So while a guy may not have the top end stuff of, uh, like I think AJ Cole got a spot start for the Nationals. Well, he's not right. like Lucas Giolito. He's not ranked as highly. He, he's a little older. He's been a little more consistent. Um, so he's he's the one that came up. And I think if uh, somebody got hurt for them, like if a Zimmerman or a Fister got hurt, I think they might go to Cole for the rest of the season before they went to Giolito, just because he had that Tommy John surgery not that long ago, and he has been struggling. Um, so that's something you always have to keep in mind. Just right. it isn't always okay. Henry Owens is better, is ranked higher than Eduardo Rodriguez, and the Red Sox will clearly pick him. It's like, well, if he's not right. playing as well. They, a lot of these rankings just go off of sheer talent and sheer skill, like how how they uh, their physical makeup um, doesn't take into account how they've played. So that's interesting you went that way. I thought you might, uh, you know, just go off some of the top guys. But I like that, digging a little deeper into the uh, the prospect rankings there. Um, and right, and right.
0: And the, the the rankings that I put out for so-called fantasy experts, if I can plug myself real quick, I, the, the rankings that I do are based on my rankings are based on the chance that the players uh, can help you this year. So again, I'm not focused on overall um, overall uh, rankings in the minor system because I realize that many of these guys may not get called up this year, or if they do, it's just for a spot start here and there, and. So I'm trying to – you know, one of the things that I'm trying to do is read the in between the lines of who has the ability to come up and play, get major playing time this season and therefore hopefully helping you out a little bit more, which is why, you know, a guy like Giolito I don't even rank because I really have strong doubts that he's going to play any significant time this year, Um, you know, and the other – you know, top players in the next wave like the Joey Gallows and the uh Julio uh Urias who's, I mean those are those are guys that have a ton of talent but there's just no
1: path to them getting playing time this year. Yeah. Um and of course you can plug yourself. That's what the whole podcast is about. We're just plugging our own website. It's not like <laughs> it's not like you don't we work together. We're right for the same site. Of course you plug yourself. We're gonna plug our Twitters later, we're gonna get verified. Yeah, uh, that's that's the goal of this podcast, not, not success for the website, just to get all of our guests verified. Um, <laughs> but the one guy that I sort of want to talk about, and that is Robert Stevenson from the Reds, because before the season started, he was a person, sort of how you picked out, like, uh, Luis Serviano. I thought Stevenson, he might have a, cl- a clearer path to the majors than some of these other guys, because the Reds are starting, I think, Jason Marquis as their fifth starter, uh Mike Lee. Yeah. While while he's pitching amazing right now, he's been up and down. And pretty much besides um Queto, they had no real established starter. Tiscofani's pitching well as, as well. Um but I thought Stevenson, okay, if he had a few good months, he could he could make it up because he's a hard thrower. They moved Sigriani to the setup role. I thought things were sort of opening up for him, but he he struggled. Um so any, have you seen anything that uh says he's, you know, he might be turning around, or he's just he's just kind of sucking right now, for lack of a better well,
0: term. You know, if, he looks like a guy uh, that needs to continue to work on mechanics, um, especially this year. So, so coming into this season, the the one kind of red flag for him was his walk rate. Um, he's walking about four batters per nine innings, which you know is, is higher than you want, especially for a guy who hasn't ever pitched above Double A. Um, so that's something that's concerning. And then this year it's spiked. It's gotten even worse. He's up to 5.3 walks per nine innings. Uh, and that's really, and again, still only a double A hasn't fished at triple A. Uh, that's, that's scary for me. Uh, that's, that's something that, you know, it sounds to me like a a mechanical issue. I mean, he's obviously having control problems and he's going to have to get that worked out, uh, before he gets to triple A or the majors, uh, because I I mean if if you're in double A and you're you're that erratic and have that much uh trouble throwing strikes, uh you're gonna get eaten up once you get the call. So um he he just looks like a guy that needs some more work. Um the actual you know the raw talent is there. You know, he has good stuff but uh you know he's he's going through some some serious control issues right now.
1: Yeah. Um I definitely think as if you're having any trouble at double-A, it's going to be hard to make it to the major leagues anytime soon. So that was a bit right. – it was sad for me to see him, you know, struggle out of the gate the way he did. And he didn't pitch great last season either. But I thought maybe right. after, a, you know, an off season of working on some stuff, he uh, he could really bounce back. And, or not bounce back, but sort of just, you know, take another step um, towards becoming the fourth starter for the – for the Reds because they hadn't, like I said, they didn't really have anybody else there blocking him. Um, and he's pretty much the only person blocking himself now. Uh, right. so we got about a couple of minutes left. Last guy I wanted to touch on quickly was Matt, Matt Weisler of the Braves, Matt Wisler, formerly of the Padres, now of the Braves. Um, he was one of the key guys in that Craig Kimbrell trade. Uh, I know the Braves are off to a much better start than anybody thought. And there had been talk earlier in the season that he might come up soon. Um, a, do you think he's ready to come up? B, do you think he'd be good? And C, do you think the Braves' hot start has sort of pushed him down the list and uh, or, or delayed his call-up? Uh,
0: well, to answer the last question first, um, I do think that that might delay him a little bit. Um, I don't know that he's necessarily a guy who is in the stage of his career uh, developmentally to come in and help push a team over the top, he's more of a guy that, you know, is still developing and he'd like to see him come up, you know, uh, later in the season, maybe in, in lower leverage starts to, to really get his feet wet. Um, you know, just kind of glancing at, at what he's done so far in Triple in A this year, you know, the ERA is not spectacular um, at, at 459 Uh so, you know, that's that's something to, to be concerned about. Um, but you know, he's a good controlled guy. He doesn't walk a whole lot of people. Um he's not, you know, a dominant necessarily strikeout pitcher, but but does okay there. Um, you know, he he kind of falls more into the category of like uh you know, Henry Owens for me as as a guy who is a good pitcher, um but because of some external uh reasons that, that we just kind of mentioned uh not necessarily a guy that's that's an instant impact or a guy that's ready to to make the jump right now um, you know so so i I would be kind of tempered on
1: on expectations for him in the-
0: in the short term
1: okay um anytime I hear someone say, you know we may be bringing him up to my ears sort of perk up a little bit but Whistler was not a type. Was not one of the guys that had been on my radar before the trade. So, you know, it was always interesting to hear what uh, – right. And, you know, they don't always have to be the hard-throwing, 98-mile-an-hour guys with the 12-to-6 curveball to be effective in the right. league. So I thought maybe, okay, right. maybe he's one of those control pitchers or ground ball pitcher. He's not going to be a huge strikeout guy. He's not going to turn into Clayton Kershaw, but he could be rosterable. But, I mean, again, and I hadn't heard a lot about him, so it probably – Points to his—he needs some more time to develop because he hasn't been lighting double A AA or triple A or, or just wherever he is in the minors on fire. So, right. uh, while well, I think he'd be interesting if he got called up because that Braves team again. Braves have always been good with pitchers. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. But we're uh, running out of time. Um, Noah Syndergaard currently Can't... has the base has the bases loaded, which isn't great for me. But yeah, go ahead. Can I plug one
0: more guy real quick uh before we before we get out of here,
1: yeah plug away uh
0: so there's there is uh there is one one other guy who I think is a very interesting bat um and a guy that i th- i advise everybody regardless of league size to keep an eye on and uh that's pete o'brien um he's in the arizona uh farm system right now and originally was a catcher uh they subsequently moved into outfield um uh, which is actually a shame because their starting catcher, uh, Gosowicz, isn't really all that good. Um, you could say it. it's terrible. Field.
1: He's terrible. Gossowicz is terrible. Right.
0: <laughs> so um, I've been reading rumblings that they may move O'Brien back to catcher. And the reason uh, everybody should pay attention to this is that currently O'Brien is hitting 347 with a 1.019 OPS. Uh, with eight home runs, 29 RBI, in just 128 plate appearances. Um, If they do move him back to catcher, and I know one of the reasons they moved him to outfield is they're a little bit concerned about him as a defensive catcher, Um, but if they decide that they just need a path to get him to the majors, he's going to be carrying catcher eligibility, and that guy can hit, man. Um, He can hit for power. Uh, He's he's crushing the ball right now for average. I mean, he's hitting extra base hits left and right. Uh he is a guy who I am extremely interested in and the second that they make that commitment to move him back to catcher is the time that everybody should add him because that means you know they finally had it with Goswich and there's a change coming.
1: Wow. That is a deep sleeper uh prospect. I had never even heard of him. And like I said, I went through a 20 team dynasty league draft this year and I don't I don't remember seeing Pete O'Brien. So I'm looking him up right now, seeing if I can add him. But that that's some good stuff right there. That's why you come to so called fantasy experts to listen to uh Stefan here talk about prospects. So, why don't you plug your Twitter and uh what day your your prospect articles come out and then we'll uh, bounce on out of here.
0: All right. Uh you can find me at I am Stefan Zonia. Um my Weekly uh, article about uh, minor league prospects and helping you out in fantasy this year is called Supervised Minors. Uh, It comes out on Saturdays. And, uh, you know, I love just chopping it up with everybody on on Twitter. So, you know, if you have a question uh, about a certain guy before the the list comes out on Saturday, just, uh, you know, tweet at me and, uh, you know, I'll give you my two cents about it.
1: I've been meaning to tell you that's a very good article name. Um, I've been thinking we may need to come up with a better a better podcast title than just the Fantasy Baseball Podcast. So we might have to kick <laughs> around some things on Twitter, see what see what sticks, um, come up with something catchy, maybe have a different name for each different show I do. But we'll figure it out. I'm Travis Pastore. You can find me at The Real Travioli. Uh, I am occasionally a writer at so-called Fantasy Expert, mostly a podcast host. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this prospecting special. We'll try to do this once every month or six weeks or something like that to keep you guys in the loop. But I shall see you next week. Stefan, thanks again for coming on. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. Uh, And uh, Once again, this has been the so-called Fantasy Experts Baseball Podcast. Until next time, we uh, hopefully we'll get some more call-ups. Catch you later.